Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. It is really important that we make sure the state pension is delivering a basic standard of living for everybody. And at the moment, it falls short. If you compare the state pension value to minimum income standards, the state pension still falls short of that. Of course, there's no way of knowing ahead of time what the economic environment will be like when you retire. But the challenges we're all seeing at the moment, the difficulties that current retirees are facing, all of that really just highlights the importance of trying to put yourself in the strongest financial position possible when you stop working. In that financial planning, we need to consider that we are likely to be living much longer. On average, you're going to be looking at 20 plus or more years of income that you're going to need after retirement. This week, we're taking a look at how much money you'll need for a comfortable retirement and crucially helping you work out whether you're on track to reach your pension goals. And to help us figure it's all out, we're joined by principal researcher and writer Paul Davies and editor of The Witch Money magazine and very familiar voice for our season listeners, it's Jenny Ross. Hello both. Hello. Hello there. Thank you both for joining us today. Well, firstly then, underpinning today's show is a huge piece of research from you, Paul, into how much we might need to have for a comfortable retirement. So can you begin by telling us how you work this out and also what you mean by a so-called comfortable retirement? What would that cover? So we carry out a huge consumer survey every year. So we ask retired members exactly how much they spend in retirement. So this year we carried out the research in January and February and there was more than 5,000 members that contributed to our survey. So we asked people for their monthly expenditure on a whole range of different items and categories, whether it be groceries, utility bills, insurance, holidays, spending on leisure. So across the full spectrum of what people might spend their money on. Then we group together the individual spending categories into free retirement income targets. And we call these essentials, comfortable and luxury. So these are the different levels that people should aim to save towards. Looking at comfortable, for example, that will include all your day-to-day essentials, some of the things I've already mentioned, such as groceries, all the bills that you have to pay, plus a few treats, such as some short-haul European holidays, some spending on recreational leisure, going out, having some meals out, gifts to friends and family, and then some maybe some charitable donations. So that's the middle 
of our free retirement income targets and we call that the comfortable level. And Jenny then this is a piece of work we've been doing every year since 2015 and now I'm really interested to know if the findings this year stand out as being particularly different given the rising cost of living crisis we've all been dealing with. Well it probably goes without saying that retirees in our survey like everyone else are spending more now than they were when we first started doing this research. But as well as spending habits, we also asked about how retirees are coping with the situation we're in at the moment with all of these rising costs. And it was quite a sobering picture, as you'd expect. So six in 10 told us that they turned their heating down or off in the previous six months. You know, that covered the winter period. And a third said that they cut back on spending generally. You know, reflecting on the past few years, what with COVID and now soaring inflation, around half said that they thought their financial situation had actually got worse over the past three years. Of course, there's no way of knowing ahead of time what the economic environment will be like when you retire. But the challenges we're all seeing at the moment, the difficulties that current retirees are facing, all of that really just highlights the importance of trying to put yourself in the strongest financial position possible when you stop working, which all comes down to how much you can put away today. And obviously, we'll be talking a lot more about that. And so the amount we need to save in our pension pots is really influenced by so many factors. And in addition to living costs and increasingly high living costs, another huge factor is how long we'll be living in retirement for. And this is something that Laura Joplin, head of impact at the charity Re-Engage, has been telling us. People are living longer. So currently we have about 11 million people aged 65 and over living in the UK, about half a million people are aged 90 and over. And this pattern is due to continue. In that financial planning, we need to consider that we are likely to be living much longer. On average, you're going to be looking at 20 plus or more years of income that you're going to need after retirement. So that in itself means that we need to be saving more and we need to have more in the pot, basically, for when we retire. But also there is an increasing number of people who are living alone compared to years ago. So we've seen that growing trend as well. So uh, single people households, and that is also amongst older people. We're also seeing an increase in older people who are privately renting as well. And so you combine all of those factors, actually the costs for those individuals are significantly higher than say somebody who's paid off their mortgage is living in a couple. And so there are a lot of people who are going to need to be saving a lot more than they currently are. So can we talk numbers then, Paul? What are the figures people listening need to be aiming for to live comfortably once they retire? So we divide the research into single-person households and two-person households, so singles and couples. To cover the essentials, the figure you should be aiming for as a single person is £13,000 per year. That's £20,000 per year as a couple. To be comfortable, the numbers are £20,000 for a single person and £28,000 for a couple. And finally, to introduce some luxury into your life and the top target that we actually produce figures for, that's £28,000 for a single person household and £44,000 if there's two of you that need to be saving for retirement. And so how do we actually reach our retirement income targets? How much money do we need to put away each month? Well, I always find the analogy we use of pension building blocks really helpful here in that your total pension pot will come from a number of different sources. And firstly, then the state pension. This will make up a decent chunk of your income in retirement. So can you talk us through how much this is and what you need to do to be eligible for it? 
Yeah, the good news is we don't have to rely entirely on our own savings to fund retirement. We also get a helping hand from the government in the shape of the state pension. So as things stand, you will qualify for the state pension when you turn 66. And at its full level, this is worth £203.85 a week. So that's uh, £10,600 a year. Slightly confusingly, though, you won't necessarily get this amount. It depends what your national insurance record looks like. So first of all, you won't get anything at all if you've built up less than 10 years worth of national insurance contributions. And then in order to get that full amount that I just mentioned, you'll need at least 35 years of national insurance contributions. That headline amount is in place for 2023-24, but that will rise every year, every April, in fact, thanks to the triple lock guarantee, which I'm sure regular listeners will be very familiar with. What that means is that payments will increase either by the rate of inflation wage growth or 2.5%. So whichever one of those measures is higher, that will determine how much the state pension goes up by. And actually this year, we saw a record increase of 10.1% because inflation has been so high. And even if you're getting the full state pension, is this on its own enough to meet a basic standard of living? Well, this is a question we've put to Christopher Brooks, the head of policy at the charity Age UK. It is really important that we make sure the state pension is delivering a basic standard of living for everybody. And at the moment, it falls short. If you compare the state pension value to minimum income standards, sort of which assess how much people are expected to need to buy essential goods and services and have a reasonable but basic standard of living, the state pension still falls short of that by some considerable margin as well. So it's really important that the triple lock is maintained just to keep chipping away at that gap and keep raising the value so that in the future, hopefully, pensioners will be able to meet all their basic needs through the state pension alone. And then private savings will build on top of that to give people a much better standard of living. And now, in recent years, we've seen the state pension age increase. It was only just over a decade ago that the state pension age for women was 60. So is it likely to be even higher when people now in their 30s, 40s, 50s retire? And does this change things, Jenny? The simple answer is yes, it's going to keep going up. So I'm afraid you and I will not be able to get our state pension when we turn 66, Lucia, that's for sure. That's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) hate to break it to you. Um, That is because this is one very expensive benefit for the government. Uh, According to the Office for Budget Responsibility, it's forecast to spend £124 billion on the state pension this tax year. And that amount has unsurprisingly risen over time because more of us are living longer. So you look back, 10 years ago, that figure was 83 billion in 2013-14. So the government really needs to keep an eye on, on affordability. And, you know, one of the key ways it can do this is to make people wait longer to get their state pension so that the government will be paying it out for, you know, relatively a, a shorter time. So yeah, at the moment, it's 66. That is already set to rise to 67 between 2026 and 2028. So that will affect you if you were born between April 1960 and April 1977. If you were born after that, it's not clear at the moment how long you'll have to wait to get your state pension because the government actually recently postponed the decision on when to increase it to 68. The good news is, it's I guess, is that it's required to give at least 
10 years notice before a big change like this. So that move to 68 wouldn't take effect until the mid 2030s. So yeah, those of us who are further away from retirement will get a good amount of time to work around that, to plan around that and to adjust their plans accordingly. Thanks, Jenny. And we'll be back with more after this. Hi there, it's producer Rob here. Now, maybe you're a new listener. Maybe you've been listening for ages. Well, either way, if you're finding this podcast useful, then you might also like to subscribe to Which Money. You'll get our monthly magazine packed with tips on how to make the most of your cash, from growing your savings and investments to avoiding rip-offs and scams. You'll also be able to call our experts on the Which Money helpline as often as you like to get answers to your money queries. Just visit which.co.uk forward slash join money. That's which.co.uk forward slash join money and sign up today. So in addition to the state pension then, to reach our comfortable retirement target, this is where your private pension savings come in. And for the moment we've all been waiting for then, what does this all boil down to? How much do we need to put aside each month into a private pension pot pool? So bear with me as I whiz through some numbers. Earlier we talked about an individual or a single person needing £20,000 per year to provide a comfortable retirement. In terms of an overall pot to produce this, we've calculated that that's about £173,000 in terms of a private pension, plus the state pension, which Jenny's just talked about. So how are you going to build up this £173,000 worth of pension? Most people these days have a so-called defined contribution pension. This is where you contribute and build up your money over a period of time. And then you have to decide what to do with that total pot. Some people will still have defined benefit pensions. These are are fairly rare these days, but perhaps if you're a teacher or work in the NHS or a policeman, you might still have one of these pensions. But going back to the defined contribution pension, we've got this pot of £173,000 and this should be your target. So how does this break down into monthly contributions that you might have to make? So if you're a single person and trying to build up this overall pot, if you start from scratch at age 20, you need to put in £215 per month. And that obviously rises if you leave it later to start putting money away. So if you start at age 30, that's £280. At age 40, that's £390. And at age 50, £660. But there we're talking about total contribution into your pension. And it's not just down to you. Your employer will be putting some money into your pension as well. So that is a boost. Also, you benefit from pension tax relief. So for every 80 pence in the pound that you put into your pension, the government will put in 20 pence as well. So these might sound like challenging targets, but the earlier you start and you get help from elsewhere, they can be achievable. So ultimately, it's never too late to start saving, but the sooner you start, the better. And generally speaking, how are we all doing at saving for our pensions? Because according to research out this week from Scottish Widows, 35% of people are at risk of having less than the minimum needed in retirement. Jenny, why do you think this is? There are various reasons, really. I mean, at the moment, of course, saving for retirement is going to have taken a backseat for many, many of us, just because there are much bigger pressures on our budgets in, in the here and now. 
I mean, on, on a more positive note, it's, it's got to be said that overall, we are in a better place than we used to be when it comes to saving for retirement. Thanks to the introduction of auto enrolment in 2012, most of us are now automatically signed up to our employer's pension scheme when we start a new job. And that has obviously seen a huge increase in the number of people saving into a pension. The trouble is that, you know, just because we have a pension doesn't mean we're saving enough for a comfortable retirement. So under auto-enrolment rules, there is a minimum total contribution of 8%, and that's made up of 3% coming from your employer and 5% from you. But there are now growing calls from various organisations to increase this to 12%, which would be split evenly between employers and employees. So, you know, to address this growing realisation that people are are just not saving enough. And it's true, a, a relatively small increase in contribution you might think, oh, 8% to 12%, that's not huge. But really, over the long term, that is going to boost your overall retirement pot by, by thousands. So I saw some recent figures on this from Standard Life, which shows that increasing total monthly contributions from 8% to 10% over the course of your career could least lead to an extra £115,000 in retirement. Because, you know, let's face it, that's decades worth of investment growth. So really, if if there's one thing you do after listening to this episode, no matter how far away from retirement you are, make sure you at least understand how much you and your employer are paying in at the moment, because over a fifth of people don't, according to Hargreaves Lansdowne, the, the investment firm. And even if you're not in a position to increase contributions now, just think about doing that, you know, the next time you get a pay rise or, or whenever you, you, you move a job. Bear in mind that some employers will match your contributions, which will give you even more of a boost. And also when you do change jobs, make sure you consider the pension package on offer as well as the salary. I think it's really normal to fixate on that that headline amount of how much you're going to earn every year. But if you've got, say, you know, if you're in a lucky position of having two offers on the table, similar salary, but one offers a much more generous pension contribution level, or it will match, it pledges to match your contributions, then you should really give that a good amount of thought. And, uh, you know, your your future self will, will probably thank you a lot for it. Thanks, Jenny. So much great advice there. And to finish then, can we run through some of the help and support for anyone looking to start their retirement planning or get a firmer grasp of how they've saved and if they're on track? What advice would you give? Where are some of the best places to start? Mm, This is actually all part of the problem, you know. Keeping track of how much we saved can be really difficult, especially if we've changed jobs a lot and built up multiple pension pots in the process. There is a solution in the pipeline, which is called the pensions dashboard, (laughs) that should allow you to see all of your pots in one place. So including how much you saved and how much you're paying in charges. I should say now why we're laughing. It's because we've talked about this on the show for a good long while now, haven't we? How long has this been in the pipeline for? This is something that, yeah, it's been on the table since 2016, which has been really pushing the agenda since then. We really support this initiative and think it's it's just going to be a game changer for engagement in pensions and for people feeling like they are in control of their savings. Unfortunately, it is becoming a bit of a running joke now how many times it has been put off. And it's not looking like it's going to be made available until at least 2026. Is that right? Yeah, that's the latest date, 2026 at the earliest. I I guess it might be pushed back again. As you say, I feel like when we first started talking about this, my kids are in primary school. By the time it comes to fruition, they've been in the workplace, so it might apply to them. It hopefully will happen eventually, but it's frustrating that it's been kicked down the road. 
Yeah, I think it all comes down to the technical sort of undertaking that this involves for, for the pension companies themselves, you know, all, all to do with, with data sharing, making sure that that's safe, secure, accurate, all of that, which is fair enough, but it's very frustrating for us as savers. In the meantime, it's still up to us to do the legwork of checking each pension we've got. You should get an annual statement from each one. So try to dig those out as a starting point and make sure you can log into each of your online accounts. If you can't, contact your pension provider to yeah, be able to make that happen. Also make sure that your pension provider has got correct details for you, you know, your correct address and so on. Especially if you left a job years ago, it could still be sending paper statements to an old address. So doing that bit of housekeeping will be really beneficial. If you actually think you've lost a pension, as in you don't really even know who to contact about, it then you can use the government's free pension tracing service so you just need to give them the name of either your employer or your previous employer or the actual pension provider and you'll be able to get contact details for them and and follow things up a little bit a huge thank you to paul and jenny for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the witch money podcast if you enjoyed today's show please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch our new episodes as soon as they drop and for more money news and advice find us on social media at witch money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money we also have a free money newsletter which is delivered to your inbox every monday to sign up visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter this episode of the Witch Bunny podcast was written by me, Lucia Ariano, produced by me and Rob Lilly, and edited by Eric Breer, with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins. Moving house with kids. Mom! Moving house checklist. Top packing tips. Do it ourselves or hire movers? Hiya! Things to do in the school holidays. Best solo holidays. When life gives you questions, get answers at witch.co.uk.